Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Joel, and uh, we're starting a new series today. It's on relationships, and it's called the Family Tree Series. And I believe that God's going to do something spectacular in your life and your relationships through this series. Um, all of the trees in Alberta are burning down. So we brought one inside to protect it, to make sure. It's like Wally. Have you seen the movie Wally? It's like we're protecting this tree in case we lose all the other ones. We still have this one. Um, but uh, I believe God's going to do something in your life today. If you're taking notes, which I think you should, not because I have just something so spectacular to say um, necessarily, but I think that, that God wants to say something to you this morning, and notes help us sort of figure that out sometimes. And so if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is The Root That Ruins the Fruit. The Root That Ruins the Fruit. The Family Tree series that we're starting, the question we were sort of asking ourselves as we put together some of what this series might look like is what kind of impact do I want to have on my family tree? You know, we all have those, I don't know if you've done one of those DNA test things where they mail you the stuff, you spit on it and you mail it back or whatever. Um, I've never done one. I don't know how they exactly work, but they, they do your family tree for you. They sort of show you where you are at in your family tree. And as we think about the family tree that we're in, what kind of impact do we want our lives to have on those? In, in other words, what, what might stop with you or what might start with you that changes at your place in the family tree and then continues on to those after you? You know, every family has a tree, but not all of them produce the same fruit. And sometimes you know, we talk about our families and, and we, you know, we can say negative things about the past that have happened in our family. Like, you know, in my family, we're alcoholics or in my family, we're angry. You know, some negative stuff that you might have found have patterns in, in the past of your family. Or how about this one? In my family, we're late. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, this, you know what? They're, they're, whenever you're like scheduling something with someone, it's like, oh, they're going to be late. Just trust me. They're like that. Their parents are like that. Or, or maybe in the, remember the movie Coco? Any parents who've seen it or anybody who's seen the movie Coco? They're, they're talking to Miguel and they're like, Miguel, you are a Rivera. And a Rivera is a shoemaker through and through. You know what I'm talking about? You are going to make shoes, Miguel. And Miguel's like, no, I see a different future for my life. There's nothing wrong with making shoes, mom and dad. But I want to do something different with my life. I'm going to make an impact on my family tree. So we have a family tree, but our lives are also paralleled to trees in the Bible. So we have a tree that we're a part of, but we also are a tree. Look, it's me. I'm a tree. You know, uh, and, and the, Bible, the Bible shows us this. Psalm 92. Psalm 92, 12 to 13. The righteous thrive like a palm tree. The righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. In Lebanon, they have, or at least had, 
these massive trees that have these huge branches. They're, they're gorgeous. And then it says, planted in the house of the Lord, they thrive in the courts of our God. You see those two promises there? That in your life, you will thrive and you will grow. That's the promise of God for your life and mine. What I love about trees is trees change the atmosphere. How many people know we need a different atmosphere in our city today? As we leave, you'll, you'll be reminded of that today. But what I love about trees is the oxygen they produce. And as I was being such a victim of my province this week and being like, I hate this air, I'm gonna lose my mind. I walked, uh, actually rode my bike into this area of my neighborhood that has a bunch of trees. And there's a path and it surrounded it. And I, I got in there and for a few moments, it was like I almost forgot that there was smoke in the air because the trees, there were so many trees, they changed the atmosphere. Ah, there were some lilacs. I got, oh, I like these lilacs. Beautiful. Trees changed the atmosphere. I don't even know if that's scientifically correct, if it works like that and it's, you know, clear air around you. I don't know. But it sure felt clear to me. Trees change the atmosphere. I don't know how it works, but they do it. And God wants you to thrive and do well and change the atmosphere of wherever you go. Bring oxygen to that place. That's the promise of God for your life and mind that we would thrive and we would grow. But that doesn't always happen, does it? Whether it's health, financial, or relational, are things always thriving? Not always. And that the relational aspect is we're gonna, what we're going to focus on for the next few weeks. Are we thriving? Are we growing? Well, where, what we're going to start with this week in this series is where does this tree get its strength from? Like, why is this tree strong? Is it strong because of these branches? Is it strong because of this stick? What, what's this called? Trunk. Uh, it's pretty weak. Pretty weak trunk. It's more of a stick. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a glorified stem. Exactly. Um, but trees get their strength from their roots. What's in your roots? There was this study done at the University of Arizona. And in the study, there's this three-acre biosphere that was built. And this was built to, I think they were like testing if they could live on another planet in space, and um, which is where the other planets are. I get that. Uh, but but uh, they're, they're testing to see if they can live somewhere else. So they had this three-acre biosphere. Can you imagine like most of our property covered in building? It's pretty cool. Um, and they were creating this perfect atmosphere in this biosphere. And in the biosphere, they had these trees that were planted and these trees were doing so well. They're growing up so good and they looked amazing. And then all of a sudden, they'd fall over. And then like another tree would grow up. Oh, beautiful. It looks like it's doing so good. It would fall over. And as they started to dig into why is this happening? These trees look so healthy. They look so amazing. They grow up and then they're falling over. That what they dug into was that trees, how they get healthy roots is by the wind pushing them back and forth. And so in the biosphere where there's no wind to get at the trees, they're growing up in this perfect, perfect environment. But what was actually happening is that the roots were not going deep enough to support the tree. And every time a tree faces some wind or let's call it some adversity, the roots realize what's happening and they start to push themselves down deeper into the ground. I, they, they know I have to be stronger so this person, can, this tree can face what it's, what's go, it's gonna go through in life. 
I just tell you, for your life and mine, when we face adversity, that's what God can do for you and I. If we will allow him, our roots will go down deeper and we'll be a strong tree that we can face anything. God can strengthen your roots. The interesting thing about roots is their hidden aspect in their existence. See, you can hide a root, but you cannot hide the fruit. You know, we got some nice fruit here. This is the kind of fruit that we want from our lives. Nice shiny apples. I think this is like a gala or something. Anyway, I don't, I don't know what kind of apple it is, but good. We want this. This is the kind of fruit we want, right? We want this good, beautiful fruit in our lives. But sometimes we look at our relationships and this is what we're producing. It might make for a good banana bread, but that's about it. And, and it's interesting that what, what happens is there's these hidden things going on that we don't necessarily see. But then this stuff, it's almost embarrassing because sometimes something will come out of our mouth or a situation will happen and we'll go, oh no, where did that come from? This came from something messing with this that we could not see. You can hide the root, but you cannot hide the fruit. So what kind of relationships do I want in my life, do I want to be surrounded by strife, chaos, and loneliness? How are my kids doing? Am I intentional with them? Or are they just like saddlebags to my life? They're there along for the ride. How about this one? Am I getting those second and third dates? Or are my red flags that obvious? I'm just messing with you this morning. Come on, let's, let's loosen up. Examples of fruit of our relationships point us back to the root of what we've allowed to take place in our lives. We have to ask ourselves, what's going on in the roots? Here's what happens. This is, I love this. I found this definition. The signs of root rot are slow growth, mushy stems. I don't, you just don't want mush in your life. Can I just say that? We've never been like, yes, mush is the goal, right? Mushy stems wilting yellow and distorted leaves. Here's what happens. It always takes the root before you see the fruit. Something happens internally before it happens externally. We're gonna, uh, for the rest of this message, we're gonna focus on Hebrews 12, 14 to 17 this morning. Hebrews 12, 14 to 17. If you're taking notes, jot that down. Hebrews 12, 14 to 17. If you're in your Bible, it's near the back, almost, almost the very end of your Bible. Hebrews 12, 14. I'm gonna read from the CSB this morning. All right, here we go. If you're ready, CSB in your Bible app. It'll be on the screens as well. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. That no root of bitterness springs up 
causing trouble and defiling many. See, if we don't protect our heart, we're going to cause some trouble in life. How many people in the room want more trouble in your life? I don't know about you, but that's not, I don't want that, okay? I, my car gives me enough trouble as it is, right? Like, you know, you don't want, we, don't want, we don't want more trouble. Where there is relational trouble, I can almost guarantee you some bitterness has taken root. And sometimes it's so hard to see because it's been going on for so long that we've actually based our life and how we think around that bitterness. When there's trouble in the fruit, there's trouble in the root. Sometimes we can cause trouble and we don't even know it, like I, like I kind of just mentioned. But we excuse it by saying, well, I'm just being honest. I'm just trying to be honest. It's like, no, you're not. You're being nasty. You're speaking out of bitterness, not love. What happens when you have that bit of root, in it, uh, root of bitterness? It causes you to defile many. Oh, what a word. Defile. Oh. You know, it's like, oh, you don't want to defile many. If you don't remove the root, what happens is you hurt the ones you love. The scripture doesn't say, hey, watch out for the root that's in your heart or they'll hurt you and you alone. No. It says bad roots will not only damage your tree, they'll infect the ones around it. Ugh. We don't want to do that. How do we get bad roots? What happens is we take our life experience and we hold on to it tightly and we don't let it go. What I recently found out was that when you pot, when you plant stuff, I'm not a green thumb, I'm learning. Uh, but when you, when you plant stuff, it needs drainage. It can't just keep the water to itself. It has to go somewhere. There's the excess water that has to go somewhere. It can't hold all that water to itself. If it holds too much water, what happens? The roots start to rot and get nasty. Do you know that you and I do the exact same thing? How do we get rotten roots? We hold on to what people say and do to us, and we don't let that drainage happen. We don't let forgiveness take place in our lives. We say, oh, I don't get you back for this. Nobody will. I need to hold them accountable. I need, they keep doing it to people. I got to stop them. And what actually happens is we think we're hurting the person, but we're rotting our own roots. Instead of letting it go and letting ourselves have healthy roots, we're rotting our own. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 says this, get rid of, let it drain, let it go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another. Look at it, forgiving each other. In other words, giving up your right to get even. <sighs> Drainage, just as Christ forgave you. That's what we got to remember, that as we hold on to stuff, Christ is forgiving us. And we got to remember that as he's forgiven us, we are to forgive those around us. When you don't let go, what happens is you start to become nasty, bitter, and rotten. And what happens to the people around you? They start to get nasty and bitter and rotten themselves. And this is the scary thing, is that we think there's nothing wrong with us, because everybody else has the same fruit as us as well. We look around, we compare ourselves to those around us, and we just think, well, they all, 
you know, why are you, why are you bringing this up? Why are you calling me out? Everybody else acts this way. And oftentimes, it's because, as the scripture says, we are defiling those around us. We're passing on that nasty root that's taken place in us that we didn't even realize that what was there. I'll give you an example of this. Is that it happens with children. You know, we come home and we complain about work. Instead of, you know, being thankful for just the fact that we have a job that we can provide, that we have a roof over our head, we, what we do is we come home and we complain about work every day. And then all of a sudden we wonder why our kids are 30 years old living in the basement without a job. Because you showed them that work sucks, live in mom and dad's basement. Criticism becomes normal to them. I'm not trying to bring shame in. I'm just trying to give you an example this morning. That sometimes in families, we pass stuff on and we don't even realize it. Twenty-five percent of millennials are still living at home in their basement, parents' basement. So, uh, just trying to rock that crowd this morning. <sighs> Criticism becomes normal to them because we made it normal. We passed it on, and unfortunately, we defiled those around us. So, what? Yeah, how do we have some red flags about if we have a bitter root? Well, oftentimes the fruit, it'll come out of your mouth. So you just have to pay attention to what you're saying and you'll catch it. Be like, I gotta, I gotta check those roots. And then all of a sudden you'll start to get more in tune with the root and you'll get better at dealing with some of the stuff that pops up. So if you, if you listen to how you're talking, what happens when you have a bitter root is you'll find that your conversations often turn negative. And this is actually part of insecurity, is that so many, so many times we're insecure, and how we deal with it is we talk poorly about other people. What happens? We turn the attention on somebody else, and it's easier to turn attention off of ourselves and what's going on in ourselves. Here's, here's what, how, how I would say it. Sometimes we find ourselves focusing on the weirdos in our life instead of the wonder of God. You think, who are the weirdos in, in my life? Well, there's some people watching online who are at family reunions right now, long weekend. They know what I'm talking about. You're, you're in the room right now. You're separated from them. No, and if you don't know who the weirdo is in your family, it's un unfortunately, it's you, yes. Um, uh, it's okay. I am the weirdo in my family. I'm allowed to say that. Uh, but here's what happens. Your conversations turn negative when our focus in life needs to be on our own emotional functioning so that we can handle anything thrown our way. So often, we're focused on the wind. Ah, it's so awful. This person's treating me this way. This person's treating me that way. And we don't, we need to allow that adversity to let our roots go deeper so that we, we have a better emotional health than we had before after we go through these things. Sometimes nasty roots start to take hold in our life. And our conversations naturally start to go negative all the time. It's so tempting to talk about people instead of talking to people. So much easier. So much easier to go and talk to somebody else about it than talk to that person about it. So we have to, there's a couple ways we can gauge healthy conversation. One I would say is, is the conversation solution-based or problem-based? So easy to be problem-based, right? You know? I don't know. Kendall, I'll mess with you. You sit in the front row. I'll just complain about Kendall's, I don't know, brown shorts. And blah, 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 blah. I can't stand looking at his legs, even though you have very nice legs. They're beautiful. I'm just uh, trying to have an, uh, 
example this morning. But maybe the solution would be, Kendall, you look so much better in jeans. So, like, I'm telling you, jeans, let me tell you. You in jeans, my goodness. Um, I, I, <laughs> that was a second service only example. We didn't go there in first. But is the conversation problem-based or solution-based? Is the conversation, that Kendall in his brown shorts, I can't stand him. Or, man, I, I love Kendall so much. I gotta, I gotta encourage him about jeans. <laughs> I just, I love him, right? So that's the first thing. Is the conversation problem-based or solution-based? Second, do all parties need to be involved? Like how many people really need to be involved? in what Kendall is wearing on his legs this Sunday morning, right? Which, you, which by the way, you look amazing, Kendall. I love you. Um, but how many people really need to be involved in this conversation? And it helps us gauge, whoa, I brought all these people in so that they would be on my team to make me feel propped up. What am I actually doing? Defiling them. I'm not trying to help Kendall out. What am I doing? Defiling how many people really need to be in that conversation? We have to gauge, gauge them this way. Is it solution-based or problem-based? How many people really need to be involved? Hebrews, one thing I love about Hebrews is it's always recalling the Old Testament. It's, all, it's like tons of callbacks to the Old Testament. It's really cool. Um, and in this verse, they're, they're calling back uh, what Moses also told us to do in Deuteronomy 29, 18. It says, make sure there's no man or woman, no clan or tribe among you whose hearts turn away from the Lord, our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there's no root among you that produces such bitter poison. Okay, so I've spent a decent chunk of time talking about the problem, but luckily Hebrews gives us the answer too. It's all here. It's all here in the verse. We don't want bitterness. We want peace. What's the verse tell us to do? Pursue peace with all people. Notice the writer doesn't say be at peace with all people. The reality of it is, is there's just some people who aren't going to be happy with you. There's just some people who, who are just like, they're not interested in being at peace. They're actually more interested in the fight and that's okay. Our goal, our, our job, our responsibility is to pursue that peace. And hopefully we come to a place where we're at peace. The scripture tells us pursue it. And pursuing peace means you got to set a table in the presence of your enemies. It's like Psalm 23 talks about. Jesus will be with you through that. But sometimes you've got to set a table in the presence of your enemies. And hopefully, by the time dinner is over, hopefully by the time you made your way through that charcuterie board, you're not enemies anymore. Like Jesus was Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house today. You've been, you've been cheating and robbing my people, but I'm going to your house today. What happened? Zacchaeus paid it back. I think it's four times. Paid it back four times. Hopefully by the end of dinner, we're not enemies anymore. So what does pursuing peace look like in your life? It's choosing to not leave things unsaid. It's choosing to, to not, because often what, what happens when they're unsaid, we're holding on to them. They're making the root bitter. Choosing to have the awkward conversation. Why? Because we want our roots to be healthy. We want to let it go. We need the drainage to happen. 
I had a situation with a really good friend of mine where we were really good buds. And then through a course of, you know, a few conversations and situations, all of a sudden we had this fallout and we went from being like best buds to like zero contact. And over the course of the next few, it was about five years, we saw each other here and there, but it wasn't the same. You know, we both knew there was still something there. And I knew that there was definitely a root there that had to be dealt with. And finally, I can't even remember how it came about, but finally one morning, we went and sat down and had breakfast together. Can I tell you, that conversation was so awkward. It did not end with us being at peace, but I knew that I was able to finally let it go. We pursued it, but didn't end there. But thank God, because of the awkward conversation, could finally let go. It is worth it for the clarity, for the clear space in your mind and heart. It is worth removing the bitter roots that mess with the fruit of your life. It's worth it because Jesus is worth imitating. It's worth it because the fruit is so worth it when you start to sort of get it sorted out. Actually, this is not a very good orange. Come on, guys. Uh, that might have been for the bitter, bad ones. Anyways, but it's worth it because this is worth it. Because God designed you because we only have so many days and it's so worth it. To live life, as the scripture says, to the full. When we think about the root of bitterness, it's so much easier for that root to set in and continue from a distance. But when we bring people close to us, it's so much easier to have empathy for them. Like, let's, let's go back to Kendall. Sorry, buddy. Um, but, you know, I know Kendall. It's like, oh, I found out that he has a, a leg hair thing that he has to wear shorts to let his leg hair grow. I don't know. Uh, some kind of weird disease that I just made up. And, and, you know, so from the back, if he's at the back of the room and I don't know him, easy for me to be bitter. Hate those shorts. But when I know him, when we're close, it's like, I understand your life experience and I love you and thank you for letting me use you as an example, even though I didn't ask. (laughs) What happens when you set a table in the presence of your enemies? You start to understand their experience and it helps you to pursue peace. It's worth it. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God. And that word blessed can be translated to happy. It's like, if you want to be happy, you can try doing it by buying a new house, new boat, new car, move away from the smoke, whatever you want to do. But you'll be happy if you stop allowing roots of bitterness in your heart and you make peace with people. You will be happy if peace is a priority. But he doesn't just tell us that the writer, he or she, doesn't just tell us um, to pursue peace. They tell us to pursue holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But will we ever achieve holiness? Not on your own. There's just no way. It takes a reliance on God's spirit. Sometimes you you talk about the word holiness and people start to think, I am pretty holy, actually. 
I don't know what's going on in your life, but things are going on pretty good for me. And I don't know. I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. I'm feeling pretty holy. Okay. If that's the case, go ahead, read Leviticus. Come back and tell us how whole you are. There's 613 laws in there. You're keeping all of them? Not that all of them we still have to keep, but that's a whole nother conversation. But the word holiness or holy occurs over 900 times in the Bible. And sheesh, this is a message of its own that we're barely going to scratch the surface of today. Especially because I have a minute and 39 seconds left. When you think of the word holy, what do you think of? Maybe you think of it like a priest. Or you think of your grandma. Anybody got a nice, sweet grandma that you're like, oh yeah, holy, that's grandma. Holy Toledo, her jam is good. Like, I, I don't know, whatever. Like, your grandma's just this nice holy lady. Or you think of like an angel. But the word holiness here means to cut or to, set up, or to separate. Cut, separate, or, or set apart is another way we can look at it. So the pursuit of holiness requires a commitment to cut out some of the thoughts and the feelings that you've allowed to operate in your life. Hey, not every thought is accurate. Just because you thought it doesn't mean it, it deserves any attention or that it's accurate. Not every feeling that you have about people is true. Not every feeling I have is true. And not every thought or feeling deserves any attention at all. Some of them do, but sometimes it's just like, I don't know where that came from. I need to get rid of it. It doesn't deserve any of my attention. If you're going to be holy, you're going to need to separate yourself from some things. And you're never going to be holy if you don't rely on God's spirit that's inside of you. The funny thing is, is the temptation, when we think about holiness, think about cutting off, setting apart, the temptation is, oh yeah, I got to cut off people. Like that Becky is canceled. I'm trying to be holy. Becky can't be hanging out with me anymore. All right? Whoever Becky is in your life. I'm not speaking to any, her anymore because I'm holy. I'm set apart. What you actually need to cut off is probably not external, but internal. It's probably, like, we don't start with the fruit and go, oh, I'm producing this bad fruit. I just got to cut off this bad fruit. It's actually probably something that's gotten in your heart. From a conversation, a situation, a look. Sometimes people are like, I could just tell by their look. Like, no, you couldn't. What if they were constipated or something and they just had a look that day? Like, ah. Sorry. Why does it always go there, Joel? Come on. Okay. You don't need to, you don't need to cut. This is how I would say it. You don't need to cut somebody else's tree to keep your roots healthy. You don't need to go and, and snip up somebody else's tree What's, what's the scripture say? You deal with the log in your eye before you deal with the plank in there. Or the plank, whatever, speck in there, sorry. You got a log and a plank, and they just have a speck, and you got to deal with both of yours. You can't even see theirs properly. Personal holiness is about letting go of the bitterness so we can have stronger, healthier roots. The only way you're going to do it is by allowing God's spirit to work in your life, a new sensitivity to his presence. You can't do it on your own. What happens? Bitterness starts in your heart, starts in the root before it comes out of your mouth. You pay attention to what your mouth is saying and know that 
It's not just coming from your mouth. It's coming from some place that you let it take root in. So what are we to do? We just follow the scripture. It, the, 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 the scripture is enough. Like when you think about the roots of bitterness, the fruit of your life, the scripture is enough to guide you. Pursue peace with everyone. Pursue holiness. Set apart. Cut some things off. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Have a sensitivity to what he's saying to you and, and feeling that. And then the last instruction they give us is repent. Pursue peace with everyone, pursue holiness, and then we have to repent. And it's like, oh, what a gross thing. Like, I didn't want to hear that this morning. I wanted something more fluffy and fun and, like, exciting. And, but the reality of it is, is that the freedom that you're looking for, the happiness that you're looking for, like, honestly, the freedom you're looking for, it comes from repentance. The end of the scripture says, make sure there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. If you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought it with tears, even though he was like, oh Lord, what have I done? Because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. So Esau trades this cheap little thing, this bowl of soup, stew that he wanted in the moment for God's grace on his life. What a bad trade. Have you ever traded something? And after the trade, you're like, oh, shoot. I, I got the bad end of the deal. I don't know if you trade hockey cards or whatever. Sometimes people are like, on buy and sell. Hey, would you trade for this? Like, it's weird. I don't know. But what a bad end of the trade. When we live with bitterness, we're trading the small, temporary, good feeling that holding on to something gives us for a better life of God's grace, his peace, and his strength. And Esau did the same thing, giving up God's best for his life for what he wanted in the moment. But there's good news. If you repent, you remove the root and you get the blessing. There's this sort of weird connotation about around repentance. I told you I'd be done in a minute 30, but joke's on you guys. I'm going over time and uh, we're, we'll be done soon. Um, but I want you to catch this because this is the way I've felt before. There's this sort of weird connotation around repentance as if like you're this dirty little worm who's just awful and you need to get on the floor and beg for repentance because you're so, so terrible, you evil sinner. Um, and so sometimes we think, I don't need to repent. You know, what it, I, I had a small part to play in that thing, but I don't need to repent. That other person was so much, they were so much worse in this, whatever the situation was. We think, I've, I'm done, I've, I haven't done any wrong here. I don't need to repent. But I wonder if that's actually like holding us in bondage, holding us from the freedom that, that God gave for our lives, that Jesus paid for us to have. Because we think of repentance as like, Repentance is like when you do something horrible, that's what you need it for. But if your life is anything like mine, like you need to spend every night repenting. Like that's, I, I'm like, God, like there's so many little things that come up. I know that there's no way, there's no way I'm gonna be able to live in all you've called me to live in if I don't spend every night just saying, Lord, show me where I've missed it today. And hopefully, as life goes on, we're repenting for less and less every day, but we're never going to be perfect. 
Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says this, repentance is literally a change of mind. Not about individual plans or intentions or beliefs, but rather a change in the whole personality from a sinful course of action to God. Repentance, I've changed my mind. Esau couldn't change his mind and he traded so much for so little. And we so often do the same. We're, we're not willing to give up that little thing, whereas if we would just repent, it would bring some drainage, change our mind. Sometimes we're just not even aware of what we need to repent for. And we just need to say, God, Spirit, come in, guide me, convict me, be the Spirit of truth that says in your word that you are. What if we need to just change our mind? What if your life could produce such brutal, beautiful fruit, but you just won't change your mind? What if God is trying to do something so beautiful in your life, but you just won't change your mind? The great Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, had this quote, repentance grows as faith grows. Do not make any mistake about it. Repentance is not a thing of days and weeks a temporary penance to be got over as fast as possible. No, it is the grace of a lifetime. Like faith itself, God's little children repent. So do young men or young women and fathers or mothers. Repentance is insep the inseparable companion of faith. Repentance cuts out the bad roots. It helps us become more aware, more sensitive, sensitive to God's Holy Spirit. When we change our mind, we let go of the root that's been ruining the fruit. I want to end on Galatians 3. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Jesus Christ so that we could receive the promised spirit through grace. Jesus hung on a tree so that you could thrive as a tree. Would you stand with me? You've received the spirit that Paul is talking about at the end of Galatians here. You've received that spirit through faith. And now you can rely on that spirit for peace and for holiness so that no bitter root takes hold of your heart. You don't have to carry the bitter root that you've seen in your family's history. Sometimes we think, you know, there's something that's gone on in my family. There's patterns that just continue to be passed on from generation to generation. Can I just tell you, Jesus died to break that off of you. You don't have to carry the root that you've seen in your family history. He became a curse so that you wouldn't have to live under a curse. Anything you've seen in the generations before you can be broken off when we think about the impact we want to make on our family tree. Maybe your family tree is great. That's awesome. You can still make an impact on that. Something significant can still happen from your place in that tree. 
You've been empowered to change your mind by the Spirit of God to change your mind and remove the root. Let's just review the sort of structure that we're given here in the scripture. We pursue peace, pursue holiness, repent, we get the blessing. We pursue peace, pursue holiness, we repent for whatever it is, however small, however big, and then we get the blessing. Let's pray. Thank you, God. I'm just gonna give you a moment. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, we thank you for the... God, we thank you for the potential in the room, the potential to make an impact for you. God, we see the brokenness in us. We see the brokenness in our world. And we know that, God, we can make an impact on that. And God, would you make an impact on us? God, would you come today, Lord? We just thank you that, God, we just thank you that there's, there's things, there's even thought patterns that we've had that God today, by your Holy Spirit's presence, you can break off of us, Lord. We just thank you that, God, you're, you're a God above it all, that you can change things in a moment. A moment with you can change the direction of our lives, our hearts, and relationships, Lord. Things that we've looked at and thought they were so big, they're never gonna change. We just thank you that your spirit can come in and change those things in a moment. So Holy Spirit, would we invite you into what needs to change and rely on you, Lord. We wouldn't be people who are stuck in getting our own ways, but God, we would just offer those things to you. Ask your Holy Spirit to come reveal to us where we're wrong. Thank you, Lord. God, we just, we, we ask for that. We ask that your Holy Spirit would go before us into maybe some peacemaking conversations, some awkward conversations that need to happen. Holy Spirit, would you go before us? Show us where we're wrong. But God, go before us. Prepare that, that person's heart, those people's heart, whatever it is. And God, we just, we don't want our will in whatever these things are in relationships. We want your will to be done. So I pray that, God, we would uh, focus our attention on what your will is for these situations, on your word, God, on your presence. God, on, on your will in our lives, God, we would just put our attention on that. We ask that you have your way. And if there's anyone in this room um, who needs to surrender to Jesus, the good news is, is that if you believe in your heart, the next step is you confess with your mouth and you will be saved. And you can do that here this morning. You can confess with your mouth with your church family around you who loves you and who wants to help you move forward in your walk with God. So if you'd like to pray that prayer, if you're in the room or online, I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me in a moment. And I'm gonna ask those who call Celebration Home to repeat this as well. We're saying this because we love you and we want to support you. And it's our job as your church family to come alongside you in this and make this help you as you're making the most important decision of your life. So just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that you're my Lord and God raised you from the dead. From now on, I live for you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise, everybody. It's good. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.